Wow, I am so glad you're turning around on Power Rangers. I'm so happy you enjoyed watching Zeo. Just hearing you laugh and scream, yeet, instead of screaming in annoyance made watching this great. Yeah, after the long trek in Mighty Morphin and the detour into Cutie Honey, I feel like I am finally actually enjoying Power Rangers. All right, let's get to analyzing this for the podcast. Four hours later. What What the the hell hell was that? Hi, I'm Archerina's butt ruffles, Ashley. And I'm Clank's thick thighs, Jay. And this is Ranger Splain, a podcast where lifelong Power Rangers fan Jay takes me, Power Rangers newbie Ashley, through the entirety of Power Rangers. And thank God we are finally out of a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Thank goodness. But are we truly out of the woods of weird writing yet? This is Power Rangers. When will it not be weird? Uh, good point. We're now stronger than before with Zeo! And let's see how the show has evolved since getting out of Marty Morphin. Following the events of the MMPR Season 3 finale, the Rangers end up with the powers of the Zeo Crystal. With a new Yellow Ranger, a new Command Center, and new villains from the Machine Empire, the Rangers have to further keep Angel Grove from falling into peril. Yeah, so this season is kind of feels like an extension of Mighty Morphin. Yeah. You know, a new set of villains, new set of Sentai footage, new set of powers, and a new Yellow Ranger. Oh, and new command, fancy new command center now that I have a budget, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it felt like not a whole lot else has changed. Let's kind of start getting into it of like what's changed and what hasn't. Yeah, um, I was going to say like we could start with uh, Tanya Sloan, our first new character for a long time. Yeah, so Tanya came in, at, if you remember, Tanya came in at the end of season three, or I guess at the end of Alien Rangers, as she was from the past in Africa somewhere, and Aisha went there to get her Zeo crystal and was like, no, I'm going to stay behind, I'm going to give you my powers, so this is the season where Tanya has uh, Aisha's powers. Yeah. What the fuck is going on with the time displacement in this series? <laughs> Yeah, it's like, she doesn't seem very time-displaced, and we were actually looking up, like, when she might have, um, went through, uh, what period she might have been from, and it it said the 1980s, and it just, it feels like it makes little sense. Uh, Yeah, that was specifically, I should note, on the Power Rangers fandom wiki, so not an official source of Power Rangers, and it was only, like, one place on that wiki where they said it was specifically the 1980s, so I don't know if that was official somewhere, or, like, it was just somebody on that that specific wiki extrapolating. It's hard to say. It's also hard to say in the series definitively where Tanya was supposed to exist. Yeah, especially since her parents come back later, who were supposed to have died on safari. And now you find out they disappeared on an island, and they're pretty okay and well, and still in this peril. Because they're supposed to be like Indiana Jones types. Yeah, they were in this peril for either, either it was a time-displaced island, and they were in the peril very recently, or they were literally in peril for like at least 20-something years. Yeah, it was like one of those things that like the further the season went on, the less it made sense. And I think it was just the writers forgot what they were doing or just didn't care. I, I want to go with didn't care. 
Yeah, and especially because, like, we notated this, and, like, it's going to be a long time before we actually cover Dino Charge officially for the podcast. Since I've actually watched Dino Charge with Jay, it was just kind of really weird to see, like, how well that series handled the time displacement of Coda and Ivan compared to one of their very first examples of a time-displaced character, and they just sort of, well, she's an Angel Grove now, she's a modern girl, without any sort of confusion over how modern 90s society works. What is home computer <laughs> with color like, what is game boy <laughs> you know if she was from the 80s she probably was around some technology mm-hmm. um but it's just like she would be like wow computers have color the only explanation from her in the past was that she was taken in by a, a tribe conveniently no name for that tribe in Africa, well, after her parents died, and like apparently none of her family was looking for her or anything like that. So weird. Uh, yeah, Tanya. Tanya makes no sense. I. She's a great character, especially like picking up the reins from Aisha. But they they just kind of well, we forgot your time display, so fuck it. Yeah, there were definitely some times where it did feel like they kind of subbed Tanya in for Aisha. Not not all the time. Tanya was definitely like her own character in her own right. But then there was just times where it's just like, I just feel like you could put Aisha here and it would be the same plot. My 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 thing that really got to me was the music video when she had Adam and Rocky help her out. She does form a relationship with Adam. Rocky's just kind of there. Because, yeah, you never really see her get to know the other rangers or kind of be confused by, like, things from their past. We'll talk more about Jason when we get to Jason. Remember when Jason came back and Tanya looked really relieved to see him? You weren't even around for, like, the Stone Canyon rangers, let alone the original team. Yeah, same with Kat there. It was like, what? How do you two know this asshole? Yeah, I mean, besides maybe, like, steering stories about Jason or maybe seeing pictures of Jason in the command center, assuming. Ugh. Why would you care? Why would you... Shouldn't you be like, hey, who's this guy? Yeah. Especially because that puts an assumption on the audience that they definitely watched all of MMPR. And this was... Remember, syndication. Why not just be like, hey, who's this guy? And then be like, oh, it's Jason. Blah, 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 blah. They didn't even do that. No. But yeah, speaking of, like, her singing, it, it was kind of interesting to... To see her have singing as her main career path slash hobby like there's a whole episode that revolves around it having to kind of do what billy did and go go just contemplating oh do i give up my responsibilities here as a power ranger and go and be try my luck at fame or do i stay being a power ranger yeah they didn't really go too into that too much well you can only do so much in like a 20 minute show Mm-hmm. It was it was kind of nice to see, and it wasn't one of those things of like episode called for it. No, it showed up constantly of her being really into singing, and even taught Tommy how to sing. Yeah, it's, that episode was really fun about Tanya trying to teach him to sing, and then all of a sudden they have they like can't stop singing because of something from the Machine Empire. Yeah, it, it was very ridiculous. Um, <laughs> it, we mentioned her relationship with Adam. They are sweet bros. Oh yeah, they're great. I think they kind of come across more as a couple in this series than the main couple of the series Tommy and Kat do. Yeah, they because it's like they actually spend time out with each other outside of school project. Adam's there for her when her boyfriend's being a dick before she breaks up with him. You know, there's a lot of neat character things with them. 
Yeah, I would say they spend more time together than, like, any other sets of rangers. Mm -hmm. Just kind of thinking from, like, a base level here. There would be times when Tanya would spend time with Kat, but it wasn't to the level, like, when Aisha was on the series, and it would be, oh, Kimberly and Aisha are hanging out together because girl. Yeah. Like, it, it, like, legitimately felt they were genuine friends wanting to spend time with each other, and I don't know if that was just based off of, like, what the relationship that Nakia Baris had with Johnny or if it was just sort of the writers would just pair them together because I, I don't know if they felt like the other characters in the season but it works. It works. It worked really well. Second watch like one of the things that was brought up with that whole breakup with her boyfriend early in the series uh we'll get to him in a bit is uh she was on the baseball team it was a mixed gendered baseball team yeah it was like the second or third episode of the season when tanya joins the sports team it was was especially interesting because there's not really a whole like oh she's a girl she can't join the baseball team she really only gets that from her like shitty boyfriend but she decides to break up with at the end of this in the episode because like he's being shitty you don't get to treat me that way when like like, I'm actually doing really good at this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it was like, I think it's the only time you really get any sort of time displaced Tanya. Yeah, she didn't know what baseball was. Yeah. And so it was really amusing of like, she doesn't know what baseball is, but she like is somehow a natural at it. You know, we got that with Coda too, like many years later. Yeah. So maybe that's just a Power Rangers thing. Uh, she had fantastic fashion. I wonder where she got the money for the fashion. Yeah, it was like one of those things of like, don't think about it too hard because okay so you're from the past that you were like younger in the past but now you're like your older self at the age of everybody else on the team you have all these great clothes i'm like did they just sort of put her in aisha's house okay you can just go through aisha's clothes or whatever money that her parents had lying around I was kind of wondering that she ends up staying with cat and cat stays with aisha hmm so was cat's family paying for it I don't know. My head's gonna hurt. No, that was Kimberly that stayed with Aisha because her mom was going to France. Right. Kat's family almost never appears. She just shows up in Angel Grove. Okay, yeah, this episode's gonna break our brain a lot. Just gonna be, like, upfront about that. And uh, yeah. we're, we're realizing this in real time because this is not in our notes. <laughs> yeah, no, we're like, what the fuck? Yeah. No, she was very fashionable. Yeah, and even comes up in an episode where there, there's a whole episode about a fashion show involving a skunk perfume for some reason. I don't know. Yeah, because it, the guy was named Stenchwa, not Stenchy. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah, Stenchwa. What, what is it you said when you were watching? I was like, you're not French, but you feel like this is racism towards French people. Yeah. It's like, well, I know you can't be racist towards the French, but this is pretty racist towards French people. Yeah, it's like, what's this? He's like, it's Stenchwa. <laughs> and then like he did that pop with his mouth. It's like, what is this show? Yeah. Well, we I did say she didn't spend as much time with Kat as Aisha did. Yeah. You can still tell that they were they were pretty good friends. And I kind of had can it was because they're both kind of immigrants displaced. Yeah, and it's especially the moments where you do see Tanya be her own character is that she was pretty snarky. Oh yeah, she got some good ribs in. Yeah, especially like the episode later in the season when the alien rangers come back. It just starts with Tanya roasting her for that that purse she made. Yeah. 
which I think it was a fair assessment. Oh, well, this is the first time we've never seen you do something perfect. So roast hand out. <laughs> and, and it felt good because it's like she felt like a teenager instead of a goody two-shoes. You know, friendly ribbing her friends. I think we do see a little bit of more of that in like the season of uh, Power Rangers. Instead of just being uh, everything with like Mighty Morphin where it was like the Angel Grove would fall apart without these teenagers. Yeah. I, I, I feel like it kind of, they're still the Power Rangers. They're still going to be like the good servants of the community but i feel like this zio kind of cut down on that a bit oh yeah right, so we've talked a lot about cat so let's move on to cat she's pink yeah so cat kind of felt like a lot of this season that she sort of was just really there to sub in for being the the pink ranger yeah which is just an ex- a continuation of how she was treated after kimberly left yeah, pretty much. Like, when you first see Kat, she's basically undid Rita's spell on her own. You know, she was capable. And she even saved the pink power coin from Rita and Zed and gave it back to Kimberly. But then all of a sudden, like, she becomes a ranger and it's like she's completely nerfed and always needs Tommy or somebody to help. Yeah, it's especially egregious this season. Especially because always needs somebody to save her, which kind of sucked in comparison to, like, Kimberly or or um, Aisha, or even Trini. Trini even saved Billy. Yeah, these are characters that, like, these three characters in the previous iteration selves, and all of a sudden, like, Cat for the most part, but it also happened a bit with Tanya, too. It's just, like, a lot of the times they needed the men to help. And I feel like it was also disproportionately, they didn't get as many focus episodes as they had in the past. Oh yeah, it was it was mostly on the guys and it did nothing for Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, and it was also like something we noted about this season was that they kept kind of changing Kat's interests. Oh yeah, you pointed it out. It's like she starts out when you first see her as an Olympic level uh, diver and all of a sudden she's a dancer. The dancer thing comes in like halfway through the season. There's an episode where she's teaching kids at the youth center ballet and they're putting on a ballet based on the story of King Midas. I was like, wait, where did this come from? Yeah. And especially because the the going back to the joke made in the episode with the purse, was it Adam or Billy or Rocky? I think it might've been Rocky. Yeah. Who made the joke about this is the first time I've seen you not do something perfect since like I first met you. Yeah. Every time there's like something that cat can do that she can do it just perfectly. Or like, like train the dog. Yeah. Like she, she knew how to train dogs, police dogs, mind you in Australia. What? what? Especially because it's like, okay, if you're basing it on when Billy graduated in this season, we'll get to Billy in a bit. We'll definitely get to Billy in a bit. <laughs> So if you base it on like when Billy graduated, they have to be like 16, 17. Oh, they graduated in turbo. So they're 17, 18. Yeah, basically, because yeah, basing it on knowing the fact that they're going to be graduating the next season. So yeah, they're going to be about, you know, 17 years old in this season. So it's like, so, you know, I'm imagining when she, and she came in the season before, so she would have been about 16 then. Mm -hmm. So she was like in Australia from like ages, I don't know, let's just say 10 to 15, training police dogs while also training to be an Olympic-level diver. While doing ballet. While doing ballet. 
It's like, great job. Great job, writers. You, you did not think this through. I mean, I don't expect Mighty Morphin, Rain, like Power Rangers writers to think many things through. I was like, okay, so who is Kat besides she's the girl with who's all pink and has the girly interests, who's practically perfect in every way except making purses. It's like the only thing that really shows is that she's very kind-hearted and caring, but it's almost like she's too soft at that. Yeah. Like, they didn't balance her correctly. Yeah, it's like, okay, I hate bringing up the words Mary Sue because the internet has made those words mean nothing. Back in the day when you would be reading fan fiction with clearly somebody's self-insert, you know, the character is practically perfect in every way except, oops, she's clumsy. You know, not to say that was just fan fiction. That was also basically like Twilight. Yeah. That's especially kind of definitely done with like emerging writers when they have to learn that you have to give a character flaws. Yeah. So they try to throw in something that's very basic. But in this case, these are people who have been probably writing in a writer's room for a couple of seasons now. When it comes to this new character they have to introduce, it seems like they just went, well, it's a kid's show, so nobody's paying attention. 28 years later. Yeah. (laughs) 28 years later. We're here podcasting about this bullshit. And what gets me is just like, I I just think of her and I, I feel like they just wrote, it's a bunch of men wrote an ideal teenage woman. I mean, I get it. Like their Power Rangers are not going to be ideal reflections of teenagers. Like that doesn't really happen until the Power Rangers 2017 movie where they did actually feel like teenagers. And a little bit going forward after the Zordon era. Mm-hmm. I just want to say particularly the Disney years, they definitely felt like teenagers. Okay. But... Yeah, I'm speaking from my own experience yeah. here, so... Uh, that's how it felt like. And then, even worse is they tacked on the romance that was there. Yeah, because it's just sort of... I mean, we talked about this previously last season, and definitely, like, it got emphasized this season, as they just sort of put Cat with Tommy, because it's like, oh, well, she's the pink ranger, so we're just gonna put her in Kimberly's place and just shove them together. Like when you have two dolls and you're just trying to make them kiss. Yeah, and and that's how the writing... It was so weird. We were watching it and then the breakup happened. And from what I remembered, I thought that's when they started dating. I brought that up and you're like, what the fuck? You're dating? Because like they shared that dance, but then they never made a declaration after that saying like, oh, we're dating now. And they had that weird Christmas episode where they were married and had a grandchild. Right, but, like, even when, like, Tommy and, like, Kimberly were dating, there was a delineation of, oh, we're dating now. Yeah. Here, there was really no delineation, so you, for a good chunk of the season, were like, oh, after the breakup, they're dating now, until the end of the season. But Tommy's like, when they're like, oh, why don't you ask Kat out? You seem interested in her. And I'm like, where the fuck does that interest come from? Besides, like... You know, you spend all your time together. (laughs) Even then, it's like, they only spend school projects together outside of being rangers. Yeah, so, like, it was definitely like that scene in Bob's Burgers where the show's going, oh, they're a cute couple, aren't they? And we're just like, they are certainly standing next to each other. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry I didn't get to read Soul of the Dragon before going into this. I forgot to send it to you, so that's my bad. All right, because I wanted to see if, like, there was improvement, because this is canon endgame. I guess we can, like, get to that when, like, we'll probably talk about that when we get to Soul of the Dragon, if we remember. I was like, Kat deserves so much better. She really does. It was just, like, there was just nothing really added to her to make her interesting besides, oh, well, I guess she's dating Tommy now. I guess. 
I guess. And my tenet theory was standards and practices. They they were like, boys don't like cooties, so really don't show dating. But have that because it made us money. Yeah, I I don't know. I was like, 90s standards and practices were weird. They, they were. And, and they still are. And, and I, I think that's probably why a lot of fans hate her, along with that poorly written romance with Tommy. Is Pat's not much of a character other than being an idolized Mary Sue written by a guy of how a woman should be. And that's not her fault. That's not. Yeah. And that's certainly not Catherine Sutherland's fault. Oh, no, we do not blame Catherine Sutherland. No, not at all. But yeah, it's like it's just, they didn't really add much to her, especially because like they were mostly focusing on like the guys. Oh yeah. What can you do? Speaking of the guys, let's go to the worst. Oh yeah, we're just gonna go. We're just gonna start with the worst, which is Rocky. Fuck Rocky. We still hate him. We still fucking hate him. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I don't know how he managed to get dumber and whinier this season. Oh, he was such a whiny man, baby, and kind of a little bit of a creep. Yeah, like, if this season took place in, like, modern times, like, it would be easy to imagine that he would be the type on, like, an incel, like, subreddit complaining about how women are bitches because they told him that, like, they didn't want to talk to him. Or especially, like, two episodes really come in mind. Like, one was, like, the person he was slapped with a school project with. All he wanted to do was date her instead of focus on the fucking school project. And she was annoyed. And then the blind girl, who's like, I have the hots for her, and also I'm being demeaning to uh, disabled people. And I'm like, and she was like, buzz off. And he just took it so personally. My dude, she just wants you to buzz off. Yeah, she's really not that into you. And then, like, there's an entire, like, subplot. When I say subplot, it lasts for, like, an episode. When, like, Jason comes back, that, like, Rocky is jealous of Jason. Yeah. I guess because, like, because technically the Blue Ranger is supposed to be second in command. And I guess he thought that, like, Jason coming back meant that, like, nobody on the team, like, he'd maybe lose his leadership position or nobody on the team would want to be friends with him anymore because, you know, Jason's back. I kind of felt it as he was the one to replace Jason, and now Jason's back. Everyone's just going to replace Rocky. I mean, he needs to be replaced. Yeah, fuck Rocky. Yeah, and, and then, like, he doesn't really learn his lesson, and, like, his jealousy almost gets people killed. He doesn't really- he's just like, boy, I'm sorry, I was jealous at the end. And that was a lot of the lessons. It's just like, nobody really learned their lesson. They were just like, boy, I'm glad that's over. So there's this article on Hard Drive, which is a subsection of Hard Times, uh, which is similar to The Onion in terms of, like, satirical articles, where the headline is literally, Monster Attack leaves 37 dead, 120 homeless, and one Power Ranger having learned a valuable lesson about peer pressure. That's just basically a lot of the subplots in Zio this season. Yeah, that's, and, and that, that, the one with Rocky really showed, because it's like, you didn't learn your lesson at all! Yeah, it's like, you didn't learn your lesson at all. Like, there's built, many buildings in Angel Grove have been destroyed. Uh, and maybe people are dead. I don't know. We never know in this series. So we just assume they are. Rocky did say the iconic line of, they destroyed the abandoned warehouse district. As if that's something that all cities have. Just abandoned warehouse districts. Oh, and then like the worst part about, like not somehow worse than that was like this, the episode where he made like a plant, like that was kind of like Audrey 2. Oh, yeah, the two things about that. The one, I'll let you get to the other one, but the one that really got me is, like, he took it from, like, some, like, experimental botanist 
and just planted it. Yeah, because it was basically like everybody knows botany's a little weird, and you can just sort of make mutant plants by like growing things very close to each other. Yeah, and in this case, he somehow grew an alien plant, which I it was one of those most egregious cases of like this happened in the Sentai footage, so we're going to like do something in the American footage to kind of incorporate that. Uh, it actually didn't happen in the Sentai; it just had two plant-based monsters. Huh. Weird. This is the episode of O-Ranger uh, we talked about watching where, like, you get stung by this monster through its cactus needles, and it would cause you to eat metal and take on the effects of those uh, objects. Right, I remember kind of that was incorporated into that episode. They, you know, the, oh, well, this episode has a plant monster, so we gotta, like, come up with something related to plants, or, like, the like the A-plot. And, and they can't even use the Sentai, because that involves, like, brothers dying and holding guns against each other, and they're like, ah, oh, fuck that. Yeah, so it just turned all weird. Uh, but then, like, as we've noted here in that same episode, because since Rocky, in this entire case, gets, like, possessed by plants... Like, he makes a boob joke at Cat? Nice leaves. He's like, you have nice leaves. And then she's like, can we take care of this now? Before I kill him. Yeah, you know what? If he if he was killed, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't care either. You know, honestly, and we'll get this with Billy. It's like, they should have just thrown Rocky away and replaced him with Billy. Honestly, like, was there really a fan base out there of, like, eight-year-olds clamoring for Rocky? I don't know. Like, I liked Rocky enough as a kid, but, like, getting older, I'm like, fuck this dude. He's poorly written in a creep. Yeah, so, as we said, we decided we hate him the most. In a season where Jason comes back, we still hate Rocky the most. Yeah, wow. Congratulations, Rocky. You are you are officially the most hated Power Ranger in this podcast. Congratulations. Um, but yeah, let's go to one of our actually favorite rangers with Adam. So he's the Green Ranger this season. And um I, I, I put this quote and this goes to other things. It's like we establish these characters so they don't need to grow anywhere. Management. Yeah, like it's especially got egregious with like cat. Adam, Rocky, Tommy's the one who probably has the most character growth uh, because he's Tommy and everybody, like he was the most popular of all Power Rangers ever, forever, or at least in the 90s. Yeah, still is. That I personally don't get it, but that's me. That's me, the person who started watching Power Rangers a year ago. Yeah. But yeah, so especially with Adam, it was like try- you're trying to think of like, oh, what progression did he really have this season? And we're just like, I don't think he had any. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. No, I mean, it was funny, like, when you pointed out to me that, like, since Johnny Young Bosch did a lot of his own stunts. Yeah. Ha- so he was wearing body armor underneath, and, like, that's all of a sudden, that's like Adam is constantly wearing long sleeves all the time. Yeah, great job. Like, wasn't there even an episode where, like, there was a heat wave? Oh, yeah, and he's, and he's still wearing the long sleeves. Oh, yeah, right, it was, like, the heat wave during, like, the breakup arc. And, like, he's still wearing, there's a literal heat wave in Angel Grove, and he's still wearing long sleeves. It's like, go change your shirt. This is not us being like, ooh, take your shirt off. It's like, no, go change your shirt. You're clearly burning up. Why are you, like, why are you torturing yourself like this? Because Adam Park is a masochist. I mean, yeah, you've you've told me about JYB's death wish for him. (laughs) Yeah, oh my god, that is... That might get more into Operation Overdrive to talk about that. But yeah, JYB was just like, can Adam die? <laughs> it's like, uh, like Johnny, this is not Batman. <laughs> You're not Batman. He, he so desperately wants to be Batman. 
I mean, that would be interesting, like having like a Power Ranger who's kind of just like the older Batman type, just just riddled with PTSD and gadgets. Yes. Uh, I, I I hope for you one day, Johnny. It's probably not going to happen, but I hope for you. Yeah, just just the reboot of Adam Park being like, well, I don't have my karate studio anymore, but I fight crime. <laughs> it's like, wait, karate studio or kung fu studio? Karate studio. Oh my god. It's like, just another thing that the series is inconsistent about, because there's, like, there's that whole episode where he's, like, training for a kung fu tournament. Yeah! So is it, like, is Adam just... Oh, that's even worse. If like I was about to ask, like, is Adam just good at all martial arts? And then I remembered he's Asian. Oh, well, that's on par with early Power Rangers, to be honest. Yeah. Great. Cool. Whatever. Though Adam was actually the central focus of actually our favorite episode of the season, which was uh, it came from Angel Grove. It was a sweet episode. Yeah, so basically it's like it's 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 a Wizard of Oz plot basically where like Adam has a dream where he has to he has to go on a journey and he meets all these like weird people that are his friends and other disguises. He has to go and see this like mythical wizard type. Yeah. But it's all like rip off of the Universal Studios uh monsters. Yeah, so it's all like, you know, universal monster hammer horror kind of vibe. And it's just very ridiculous. And like, it's definitely like out of like the episodes in the season that kind of deal with power, like Power Ranger PTSD. That's probably the best one. Yeah, it was, it, it was goofy. And then I went, you know, he's really showing some signs of PTSD if he's like actually dreaming about this. Yeah, so basically, like, the whole thing is that he falls asleep while studying for a test. Because he had been up for a while because of just being a Power Ranger. He's just constantly exhausted. He's up for a while, and then, like, he's, you know, he sits down to watch this movie, and then he falls asleep. And then, like, basically, he has a dream about how, like, Angel Grove is in danger, and he has to, like, go and do these tasks in order to save Angel Grove. Jesus, like, not even your dreams are safe from having to, like, save the world. Yeah, poor, poor Adam. Yeah. Yeah, and and as we mentioned with, like, you know, this season, like, besides that particular episode, we do see him a lot with, like, Tanya. That they they can become really good friends this season. And I was like, yeah, the entire time we're watching this, it's like, wait, they could be dating. Yeah. But, you know, probably producer somewhere's racist. Yeah. Just saying. Let's let's go with that. Yeah. My my favorite thing that we noticed when the Who Did It episode where uh Lieutenant Stone put on like a clue-esque dinner party where it was a murder mystery, Johnny on Bosch has decided to do a British accent or at, uh, as Adam to kind of like play around with his, I guess, Colonel Mustard character. And all of a sudden I was like, that's his Jonathan Joestar voice. <laughs> Yeah, and, like, uh, so I don't think I ever watched the dub episodes of of Phantom Blood with you, but, like, yeah, I could believe it. Like, Johnny is kind of one of those voice actors, and I I say this with all sincerity because he's a very good voice actor. His voice does not change that much. No. He keeps getting work. You know, there's no scandalous stories about him. He, he, he knows, yeah, he knows how to uh, manipulate his uh, range in terms of, like, emotional but yeah, back in like, you know, the 90s, you know, that's his that's his first take at his Jonathan Joestar voice. Little did he know. Little did he know. Little did we all know. 
He's still, yeah, he's just still a nice boy with nice hair. Yeah, he gets a haircut part like towards the end of the season. It looks really good on him. You're not gonna like what happens to his hair in Turbo. Oh no, oh no, oh no. It's it's it, it real bad. We'll get to it soon enough. Soon enough. Anyway, so let's talk about Tommy. All right, racism, the episode arc. Yeah. Oh my god. So like, when we first tried to watch the episode arc about like uh tommy finding out that he's like a he was adopted but finding out like he was native american and had a brother like our compute my my like our sync up like for cast was just not working yeah it was like it knew it's like no the racism's about to happen stay away this is cursed yes and it was yeah so basically the whole thing about it is it's supposed to go back to the end of the Zeo quest mm-hmm. arc from Alien Rangers where, you know, they have to go back in time and find their ancestors and order and like go through trials and tribulations in order to like find the Zeo crystal. Yeah, it was mostly an excuse for Saban to be racist. Yeah. So like, you know, you have these several egregiously racist episodes. Like the one that was the least racist was the one about Cat. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised he didn't find a way to throw in, like, you know, those dang aboriginals somehow. I know! And, like, have Cat be like, oh, I'm gonna have shrimp on the Barbie. Yeah, like, that one was, like, surprisingly, like, not chocked full of, like, racist Australian stereotypes. Yeah. Shocking. But anyway, yeah, so basically, like, there was that whole thing, and he's given, like, half of an arrowhead, and all of that and then like so it comes back this season where tommy starts having dreams and then he finds this like man that he met like i guess apparently back when back in yeah the zeo quest was it john trueheart or i believe was the name of the yeah john trueheart yeah so he meets john trueheart and like all of a sudden it sets off this like mythical like vision quest where he finds out that he has a brother and a spirit out an animal is a foul. Yeah. And it's like, but here's the thing about that is just that conveniently they don't mention any sort of tribe that like Tommy could be from, other than that, all of a sudden he's like, Oh, I'm adopted and I like I'm Native American. Whoa. And it's like you're sitting there like Jason David Frank is Italian. Yeah, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, I mean yeah, I mean, there's definitely, like, a case to be made for the diaspora Americans came over the United States, but it's still just, like, there, there's no part of him that's Native American at all. Yeah, we researched this. He's Italian. Yeah, and, like, you know, we tried to figure out, like, what possibly, like, what possible tribe, like, he could come from, like, initially when, like, we watched that Zeo, ep- like, the Zeo Crystal episodes, but it was just, like, we couldn't really find a good definitive conclusion, and there's no real hint in the series, because they just sort of go with, like, the generic, like, Native American tropes. The whole thing about how, like, how John Trueheart just would, like, turn into Thanos dust whenever he would walk away from a place. Yeah. He'd be like, bye, bitch, I have mystical powers. Yeah, it's like, oh my god, and then there's, like, a whole, like... Like it's like driving, like pulling them together because they have both halves of an arrowhead that like has mystic space powers somehow. Uh, God, it just it just gave me a headache. It's giving me a headache thinking about this now. 
Oh, yeah, and it's just like, other than that, like, thing, there's nothing much else going on with Tommy except the breakup. The three-arc Dear John letter, which shouldn't have been three arcs. Yeah, and it was like a three-episode arc where there was a different B-plot happening in each episode. So disjointed. Yeah, and it's like, he could have just handled this in one episode of, like, he gets the letter from Kimberly. His friends try to make him feel better. Uh, Ondo interferes. Cat, like, makes him feel better by, like, making him dinner. That's all you needed. And no, we needed, we needed three episodes and a random, like, snowboarder that looked like a lesbian. Yeah, and that was into Tommy, even though, like, I'm having to assume that, like, she was had to be several years older than him. Oh, uh, yeah, that was so fucking creepy. Yeah, and it's like, especially because it's like, you know, assuming that they're supposed to be around the, you know, let's just assume for Saban that they're supposed to be around the same age group, like, maybe, like, a couple of year difference. Mm-hmm. She did look significantly older than him. Yeah, it was just like... Yeah, not saying she was decrepit or anything, but she definitely looked like she was in her 30s. Yeah, it it, just felt like a cougar coming in for the kill. Yeah, I mean, but and with a lesbian haircut. Yeah, she had a total lesbian haircut. And a pretty lesbian profession of professional snowboarder. Yeah, that's what gets me. It's like, how is this woman not a lesbian? Yeah, because it's... Because it's the 90s, and it's Saban, and it's syndicated television. But, yeah, so... That's just, oh god, the Dear John letter. I'm just gonna talk about it here. Uh, So that was just the weirdest way to write Kimberly off. Yeah. Especially because, like, when... When we read Power Rangers Pink, you know, about several months ago, we didn't really think that she hooked up with anybody. Yeah. Because um, kind of just reading into, like, that entire ending, like, speech that she gives in the last page, like, it's kind of implied that she may have, like, she could have met somebody, but mostly it seems like she's just kind of telling Tommy that she met somebody in order to kind of protect his feelings. Yeah. And just kind of learning to be on her own. But apparently there's some people out there that think that she got with Jason. And there's some people that think she got with Skull. Okay, you think that, like, if Skull and Kimberly hooked up, you like, Skull would have been very loud about that fact? Yes. And it also just gets to the thing of, like, you find out later in, um, Power in, like, when Jason comes back, he says, Oh, what's up? I was at the peace conference and I had to leave. Like, he was in fucking Switzerland, not Florida. Yeah, so, like, because the, the only reason people think it's Jason is because when you're, like, when you're seeing that in the comic, the first text on her phone is from Jason. And clearly he might have, like, gone to Florida to hang out with her. Like, because he said something about picking breakfast. Yeah. But, but there was nothing really saying, like, oh, we're dating. Because she also had texts from Trini. And she had a text from Serge. Um, Serge being the one guy in France. Yeah. Who ended up being the... Was it, Serge was the Blue Ranger, right? I believe so. So, yeah. It was just like, okay, that's a weird jump to make from just like, there are two people hanging out and texting each other. Also, the Turbo movie really fueled that because uh, they end up teaming up in the Turbo movie. So everyone's like, oh, that's who they got together with. And I'm going like, you fucking heterosexuals. Yeah, okay, so I guess since we're talking about, like, Jason, I mean, okay, we talked about Tommy, he gets the most arcs this season for 
because he's the most popular one. So let's just go on to Jason. Um, <laughs> fuck Jason. Yeah, fuck Jason. Um, so yeah, because it's just like he comes back real late in the series and it just feels like nothing had changed at all besides, oh, you know, he's back from the peace conference and he's the gold ranger now. Yeah. Oh, uh, this is another thing that kind of puts a bugbear into this. Is He starts, uh, has this romance arc with this uh, random character named Emily. Yeah, Emily, who shows up probably about the, around the same time he does. I'm like, okay, at, 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 like, it's like, at the best, you want to think Jason, like, didn't, wasn't dating Kimberly, and that's why he was dating Emily. No, with you guys thinking that, Jason's just a two-timing bitch. Yeah, unless, like, Kimberly broke up with him sometime between, like, the Dear John letter and when he came to Angel Grove. Which means that, like, Kimberly broke up with <laughs> Tommy over a relationship that probably only lasted, like, two months. <laughs> oh jesus christ <laughs> this is why we don't listen to fandom fandom is full of weird heterosexuals that don't understand how anything works you know so yeah and especially like the worst part about like it's like you said nothing's really changed and that includes austin st john's acting oh he really phoned it in too oh yeah there's just several times like on like the last part of the season when like you know, he comes back and he's officially the Gold Ranger, where I was just like, dear God, that line read. Because he would just do it, like, really flat, like this. Oh, no. Like, not to the level of the Tyrannosaurus. And, like, the pilot. <laughs> like, the unaired pilot. But it was still just like, you sure that's the line read you want to go with? Okay, sure, okay. Well, I don't want to know what, what takes were worse. Yeah, it's just, like, just reminded about how uninteresting jason is like it kind of like made us appreciate how like how much they've added to jason's character in the comics or like the 2017 movie yeah, just basically because it was just like you know the 2017 movie and even go go and i we haven't read the mainline mmpr comics yet and we're not going to get to those for a while but um how like jason in those is very like he like he's got things that he's remorseful about and he's very like um he's a strong leader who had to kind of come into that through the weirdest ways possible. He's like a caring and compassionate person. Um, maybe a little bit of a dumbass, but he's like a dumbass with a heart of gold. He also doesn't have toxic masculinity, which was something in the, in the, in the comics. Like he got very upset. His dad wasn't, you know, telling anything about his, his illness. Yeah. Meanwhile, Jason, yeah, meanwhile, Jason in the show, when when um this happens like a couple of times, the main one was like, fellas, is it gay to go to a fashion show with a girl you like? Yeah, because going back to that fashion show episode, he wants to ask Emily out, but he thinks that like, it you know, fashion's just, fashion's too girly. Um, and he's like, doesn't, he's just like, that doesn't interest him. But like, until like Emily shows interest in it, he's like, well, um, I don't know, maybe I'll ask her out. And then ends up in the fashion show. And then like, wasn't he one of the like ballerinas that like Kat picked out? Initially, yeah. Cause like in the episode with the King Midas thing, like they were supposed to, oh no, it might've been Rocky. I don't remember. They're interchangeable, I guess. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, because she has like a couple. I think it might have been Jason. Yeah, she was, it was like I know Adam was one of them as well. And yeah, they just, they just acted like oh, we don't want to do it because girl stuff. Yeah, and then there's the whole thing with a bet with Bulk and Skull, and it, Bulk and Skull end up having to do it anyway. Bulk and Skull gladly do it because they're Bulk and Skull. 
Yeah, we love Bulk and Skull. I can't believe I've come around on Bulk and Skull of all characters, but we'll get to that in a bit. <laughs> yeah. Then there's, we're on Trey of Triforia. Yeah. Who's, what? Huh? What? 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 Huh? <laughs> so, originally, they, uh, VR Troopers was ending mainly because they ran out of footage. They didn't want to, like, continue VR Troopers. So, they had a crossover originally planned. And that's why he's voiced by Brad Hawkins, who is the who is Ryan Steele in VR Troopers. And then they scrapped it. And this is after he's like recorded multiple episodes. Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ, Saban, what are you? Yeah, and they just they just scrapped it. And um what? So they swap out Ryan Steele, which I've seen some of VR Troopers with you, and I'm very excited the fact that we're actually gonna cover VR Troopers, because oh my god. It's the fun shit show. Yeah. Um, but anyway, like, okay, so like I feel like a VR Troopers crossover would have been interesting, especially after they did the whole thing with like Mast Rider. Yeah. But then all of a sudden they're just like, oh, we're not gonna do that. We're just gonna have like uh the Gold Ranger be this like alien from this planet called Triforia, which is literally made up of like uh like people that have trifold yeah uh personalities, humanoid human bodies. I it's not really explained too well. And it's literally the fucking Triforce from Zelda. Yeah, because it was like, you know, the wiz- like, tray of wisdom, tray of strength, tray of... I don't I don't remember what the Triforce stands for, but... Yeah, it was... Uh, the only interesting thing to note is that uh, they were actually played by triplets. Yeah, I'm just like, I- I'm with you. It's like, how did they manage to find, like, a set of triplet actors? Like, identical triplet actors? Hey, they weren't particularly good actors, but... They still found them. Yeah, that counts for most of it. Yeah, that tray was a weird thing, and it definitely felt like... You you could, especially after... Even before you learn about the VR Troopers thing, it just sort of definitely felt like a cop-out. Yeah. (laughs) It was like, oh, well, this thing that we had had been planning, we're scrapping, so, uh... Uh, you know, we'll find triplets and, like, insert them in there to be, like, the Gold Ranger, but we're gonna really transfer the powers to Jason. Yeah. And so I, I just wonder what happened first, scrapping the VR Troopers crossover or finding out that, like, Jason was going to come back. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. What could have been? Our last ranger, who's no longer a ranger, is Billy. Yeah, so... <sighs> he goes through a shit ton of things. Yeah, I, so basically, I guess we'll just do the quick summary here. Um, so beginning of the season when they announced that, you know, that they've made new powers for the Power Rangers, but there's only enough powers for like five of them versus six. Oh, that there's six Rangers in there. So Billy decides that he's just going to sacrifice his power and let Tanya take it up. And then several episodes later, he ends up graduating high school early because he took too many classes. With no ceremony or anything. He's just like, here's your diploma. Bye. Yeah. And then, so, he just spends most of his time in the command center or the youth center with everyone else. Goes to Aquatar. Goes to Aquatar, actually, that high school episode. Yeah, so he has to end up going to Aquatar because, like, uh, is it Sestro? Yes. Yeah, so Sestro's like, hey, so we need your help on Aquatar. Shit's fucked. So he goes off to Aquatar for, like, three or four episodes. Com- comes back, is the red, one of the red herrings, which we'll get to in a bit, mm-hmm. of the Gold Ranger. and then. Trey happens and then they're like, oh, we need a gold ranger because Trey can't hold the powers right now. 
and was the first choice, but it couldn't happen. And uh, it's because one of the producers hated gay people. I mean, the explosion caused issue. Yeah. So because they come up with this, like, they definitely come up with this bullshit excuse of like, oh, when there was an implosion, like the implosion that happened at the end of last season, it fucked with like Billy's like internal molecules or something like that. So therefore he can no longer take the powers of a Power Ranger. Uh Uh-huh. And then like the last two episodes we see Billy, he's all of a sudden he's super old. Just an old man. Because I guess further, like, bullshit to his, like, molecules was that, like, at the end of, with during Alien Rangers, when he aged up before everyone else, um, I guess that sped up thing? I, Something like that. Yeah, because it's like, if this was a problem, it should have been a problem the entire season. It's just a problem now, because David left the set, and they're like, oh, fuck. And so they just get this old man to play Billy, and then, like, so he decides that he's just gonna go, like... He gets old. They can't figure out how to cure him on Earth. So he gets taken to Aquatar by this like woman named Sestra. Sestria. Is it Sestria? I think so. And we and we barely met her. Yeah, like we literally meet her this episode, but we're supposed to believe that, like, oh, well, they met on Aquatar and they got really close on Aquatar. Billy gets cured on Aquatar. And then he's just like, Oh, I'm not coming back to Earth. I'm staying on Aquatar. I'm in love with this girl. Bye, guys. Bye. And and the voiceover was clearly not David. Yeah, it's like, not to the bad voiceover level of the previous, like, on season two, when, like, Walter Jones, Austin St. John, and Tweet Trang left the set. But it was bad. It was, like, almost like a cardboard cutout or, like, a stand-in that they just really fuzzed his face. Yeah, it was... Ugh. Ugh. So let's get into this. Well, first off, when I was a child... This upsetted me so much, I remember turning off the television and just crying. That's fair. That's fair. Because, as you know, Billy's my favorite fucking character of all of Power Rangers. So, and he was my favorite character as a child. So here I am, just like, all of a sudden, you know, I'm not seeing much of Billy. And I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, he's still part of the team. And just seeing him gone was just upsetting. And then, like, I find out later what went on, and it just, it just sounds like all the shit that went on with, they basically pushed him off the show by being hostile jackasses, even to the point they would get cast members in on, in behind his back to inquire, like, oh, is he gay? Yeah, just like, what did the producers actually said to him? Like, oh, there can't be gay superheroes. Yeah, and you said this was the nose pink spandex interview he did? Yes, this was all in when he first came back uh, after not being around for years. He just kind of lived and did a lot of production work and stuff and finally kind of touched base with fandom again. He he gave this interview and it's just like, it made me more angry. No, and that's completely fair. And like, I, you know, since I have no context of watching this as a kid, I'm hearing all of this from you and I'll be sure to include the the interview in the show notes um but yeah it was just like it kind of just makes everything worse yeah knowing what was going on behind the scenes of just sort of like this is like slow antagonization of a person for like a bullshit reasons yeah and it's like super upsetting because we you know, we are both queer like i'm bisexual yeah like, you're i i like you define your trauma noises. yeah burp, burp, burp. <laughs> 
But I'm I'm I, I define myself as a demi ero demi ace with bisexual tendencies. Yeah. So like. You know, it's, it's like, here, like, this stuff, like, affects us, like, personally. Yeah. And, like, yeah, we're not gonna have the same, like, stories that David has, think, for better or for worse. You know, you hear this kind of, like, abuse he was going through on set. And, like, you know, I imagine at that point he doesn't really have anybody else to, like, you know, turn to. Because, like, he was especially close with Twee, and he was especially close with uh, Amy Jo Johnson. They were gone. And they were gone. Like, I don't, like, I don't blame him for, like, just rage walking off the set. Yeah, and on top of that, like, he was getting so depressed, he was suicidal, he ended up, like, straight afterwards going to convergent therapy because he thought there was something wrong with him. <sighs> God. I, like, I know I'm on a Power Rangers podcast, but I, I kind of want to fight, like, everybody involved in production who, who specifically antagonized him. Yeah. Like, what a fucking mess. What a fucking terrible, like, I, I just hope we, like, if there's judgment in the afterlife, I hope they have to, like, watch everything, rewatch everything they said to him. Yeah, and also, also it makes things worse, is Power Rangers is supposed to be, in, be, in, uh, be about inclusivity, and here you are being homophobic. Yeah. So, but, what can you do? It's the 90s, like, Jesus fucking Christ, Laura Dern, like, nearly lost her career in the 90s just for playing Ellen DeGeneres' love interest on Ellen. And Laura Dern is straight. Ellen, like, nearly had her career, had her career tank for a long time. Yeah. And so, yeah, like, well, you're a little better now, I guess, but, like, especially back then, it was just like, Okay, so you're just being homophobic on a show that's supposed to be about inclusion and how, like, no ranger is more, uh, is better or more powerful than any of the other rangers. And you're just all being homophobic assholes to the point, like, this person walks off set and goes to fucking conversion therapy. Great job, guys. Great job. I, what was very telling, I forget which producer came out, but right after the interview, he said, oh, David's just, was just a diva? And I love what Kurt said. It's like, oh, you were the producer that gave him hell. Uh-huh. Jerk-off motion. Ugh. Aside this, we, we, we said this is like, Kimberly had the best leaving of the show. Like, she had an arc that kind of, she was able to pass down her powers and say goodbye. Billy had the worst, not just because of what happened behind the scene, but because they were just kind of slowly pushing him away till Billy was nothing. So what's even worse about that is, like, obviously we were going to get to Turbo next episode. When we were researching, working on this episode, so because, like, especially because the ending of the season is kind of anticlimactic, we found out that, like, in the script for Turbo, like, Johnny Young Bosch said this on his Facebook page, like, years ago, in the script for Turbo, there was going to be an explanation of how they lost their ZEO powers that what Billy kept because like in the middle of the season when they're red herring him to possibly be the gold ranger he keeps disappearing and it's clearly that they were trying to set up that he was making the turbo like powers with Zordon yeah and then that that just never happens because they just sort of pushed him out of the series for no real reason it's like they push him out he gets replaced by an old man and then a stand-in and then they have the audacity to do a goodbye montage during the credits for him. That was the- Oh, that was like the- That was like- 
salt in the wound oh. with like lemon juice. Oh god, what what fucking assholes. <sighs> okay, so uh I guess we'll move on now to the villains. The Machine Empire was kind of weird this season, wasn't it? Yeah, they were just kind of there and evil. Yeah, like, they didn't quite have the same, like, personality oomph that, like, Zeta... I don't know why I keep wanting to call them Zeta and Red. (laughs) Rita and Zed had. But yeah, so, I mean, especially because, like, they're both still there. They come back later in the season. It's like, especially because afterwards, when we were really kind of breaking it down for the podcast, we were just sort of like, huh, they really weren't there that much. But yeah, like, what is it? We were like, King Mondo, very cool costume, menacing to kids. Yeah, it's like he was like, you know, he was very large and very like imposing, but it's like, okay, he's kind of just kind of rehashing like what they would do the previous season where it's just like, spy on the Rangers, send a monster down. Like, make the monster grow. Foiled again. Oh, no. My oil pressure is up. Yeah. Uh, which, that that was a funny line. Um, I, th- There was a lot of good puns about machines, especially with King Mondo. Yeah. And then there was, like, Queen Machina, which, like... So, Queen Machina was played by Alex Borstein? Yeah. Which was just like, what? Peter! Yeah. Peter! <laughs> Because uh, that was around the time she was on Mad TV, right? Yeah, I think so. I guess that that, that sweet, sweet Fox Kids synergy, it's, it's kind of hilarious in retrospect of, like, Fox and Disney and all that. And then, like, somehow Power Rangers managed to get out of that, like, sphere. They were even owned by Disney at one point. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. And then, like, they got, like... They didn't make Disney enough money, and then, like, Saban buys them up, and now they're owned by fucking Hasbro. But, yeah, so, like, I guess they were trying to get that sweet, sweet synergy, or just, like, but, yeah, she would voice Queen Machina, and, like, that's how we kind of noticed it was her, because, like, her voice just sounded familiar. Yeah. And, um, I mean, she's definitely prettier than Mondo. Yeah. I wanted her fan. She had a very sweet fan. If somebody... Can help us construct a fan for Ashley. Yes. That was that was Queen Machina's fan. Please do. Yes, please please let us know. Uh, you can email us at rangersplane at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter. All that fun stuff. Um, but yeah, it's like she's kind of there too. Like, so basically the, the structure of it would be like Mondo and Machina would come up with the plans um, through weird plot means. And then Sprocket, and then later Gasket, and then Clank and Orbis would be the ones to go to Earth and enact them. Man, I wish they they got the plot of a ranger where I forget Machina's Sentai. Like, I forget their Sentai names. I only remember Bar Wrath. Mm-hmm. But, like, she she just discovered her small child reading, like, not a poor magazine, but, like, a, a swimsuit magazine. And she tore it up and was like, I'm going to ruin clothes for people. <laughs> That would have been a great episode of Zeo. Oh my god, could you imagine? Yeah. It'd be like the it would just be like the the most watered down version of Kill a Kill. <laughs> oh my god. <sighs> this is the second episode in a row I've mentioned Kill a Kill after not thinking about it for like t- two years, so that's great. <laughs> um <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, speaking of uh, Prince Sprocket, I, wow, we, we wanted to eat him so bad. <laughs> yes, we were. A lot of that, and I think it was intentional of uh, Barbara Goodson's voice of just being this annoying little brat. We just were like, oh, yeet. Yeah, he's like, uh, like I hate to like mention Harry Potter, but he, he definitely had that vibe of like, I have 38 presents. I got 39 presents last year. <laughs> He does! Yeah, it's just like, he's just a spoiled brat who, like, is constantly whining and constantly, like, getting the rangers involved in his weird-ass, like, schemes. Like, doesn't there, like, a whole episode where he was, like, got them, like, tried to make them, like, be stars of, like, a television show? Yes! And he was just basically the Power Rangers version of Mojo from the Mojoverse in Marvel? Yeah! I was like, oh, God, this is terrible. I hate him so much. Yeah. Like, he was the true villain of the season as this obnoxious robot child that I just wanted to, like, punt into, like, a ravine. (laughs) And then uh, one of the most finest moments was when he manipulated Auric through crocodile tears uh, via water pump. Yeah, I legitimately laughed at that. It was just like... It was so funny. Yeah, because it was like, because uh, the one I think it was Louis Kaboom was having trouble trying to manipulate Oryx. So like, you send the kid in to do it, and he's just like, "Those mean Power Rangers!" Yeah! It was just, <laughs> it was very well executed. Yeah, and then so I guess because we mentioned like you know Prince Sprocket being the ones to really enact it, but then we have Clank, who's kind of the finster of the season. Yeah. Um, uh, I discovered I was robosexual through Clank. And what, when you were, like, six? Yeah, something like that. Closer to ten. Yeah, closer. Yeah, I was like, wait, I would have been six. Um. Yeah, I think I was, I was nine? Yeah, so, like, yeah, Clank is this robot that inexplicably has a Scottish accent. <laughs> yeah, for, for no reason. For no reason. And, and as Jay said, thick thighs. Oh, yeah, thick thighs save lives. Or could probably just crush you in this case. <laughs> probably. The, the bone crusher. <laughs> <laughs> you who? <laughs> Can you just imagine that Scottish accent while crushing you? <laughs> pa, I love him. <laughs> I was a terrible Scottish accent. Oh my god. <laughs> you sounded more like the, um... The uh the robot from Futurama when they went to the moon. Uh you know, that's what I was like I was trying to do that, but then like do it with a Scottish accent. But I can't do Scottish, I can only do Southern. Yeah. Scottish is hard. It is. Um, but yeah, so a- as we said, he's kind of the finster. He's the one that kind of come like comes up with the monsters and implements the plans and uh he helps mix the monsters grow uh every episode. With Orbis, yep. He, he's kind of, like, bootlicking, because he's, like, really... he He's at the beck and call of anyone who's in charge and really is like, oh, well, I will do anything for you, including being torn apart and reassembled so I can make monsters grow. Yeah, and it's just like, love yourself, Clank. Especially because, like, he gets... Because since he's the one who helps implement the plans most often, he mostly gets stuck with Sprocket. Yeah. And, like, they kind of have a, like, 
rivalry with each other. And I think that's definitely like a power move on Sprocket's part because Sprocket is the prince of the kingdom. Yeah. Or machine empire rather. Uh, but yeah, and go, moving on to Orbis. I, I love Orbis. I, I, he's so cute. He's so cute. We want Orbis dolls. Yeah, I literally looked up if they made Orbis dolls back in the 90s and they didn't. What the fuck? No, they didn't. The fuck? That was, that was money down the drain. We might want to look up how to make our own Orbis dolls. Yeah, and as I think a lot of that also, besides just being looking cute, like Barbara Goodson, who also voiced Sprocket, like, she just had a very adorable little robot voice for him. Yeah. Uh, it was just very cute. No, just, I love the fact, so he's always with Clank, and, like, I love the fact that literally, like, versus, like, the previous seasons when, like, Rita and Zed would use their stat their staffs to make the monsters grow. Like, instead, it was just be like, he would just be, it was always, around and around and away you go. Yeet. And you would just, yeet. <laughs> just, you know, doing like the fucking air hook. <laughs> I'm like, sure. That, that's, that's, a, that's a reasonable way to make monsters. Clank has incredible aim, apparently. Yes. I go to have just been a hilarious if he had done that whole, like, around and around and away you go like thing and just threw him but like got it was like 20 feet off oh god and then orbis just starts rolling downhill or like hits a ranger in the head oh my god well that solves that problem you know you don't even <laughs> have to make the monster grow you just knock a ranger out and you're good oh <laughs> um. <laughs> uh. Like, that should have been the finale to Zio. It's just like, <laughs> Orbis accidentally hits a ranger in the head. It somehow makes them lose their powers. Sure. <laughs> it's probably better written what they had. It hits Rocky. Nothing of value yep. was lost. Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. Um. So, moving on down the list, uh, there was Louis Kaboom, who was kind of like, so there's like a part in the series where like, Bondo goes away? Yeah. Um, I guess because he got killed off in O-Ranger. Yeah, we haven't reached... As of recording, we haven't reached that part yet. I, I should note, Jay is the one watching um, O-Ranger with their partner, Kurt. Um, I'm just sort of hearing from them after the fact, like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> and, like, in O-Ranger, Luke Kaboom's uh, counterpart uh, basically went and was like a general that was too extreme for the for the Barra Empire and so he comes back for a while and uh in this he was just a rocket Rita and Lord Zed launched tried to destroy him and then it became a monster. Yeah and he takes over the machine empire for like five episodes or so and that was still too long for him to be there. Oh god yeah we wanted him to die. Yeah he was just oh so obnoxious and, like, he was randomly Bostonian and from the 40s. And from the 40s? Yeah, from, like, the for like, like 1940s Irish mobster from Boston. So, yeah, that was a thing for, like, five episodes. And it's like, you guys have skipped plot lines before the Sentai. Why didn't you skip this one? <laughs> I know, right? And then, um, and then there's Prince Gasket, which that one was very interesting. Yeah. I mean, mostly in the series, Gasket is just sort of mm, 
like he just kind of comes in after Louis Kaboom is like killed off. Kind of takes over for a bit. He takes over for a bit, and it's just sort of he's there. He basically does the same things Mondo does. Gets into fights with Sprocket because uh, he's supposed to be. In Power Rangers, he's Sprocket's older brother. In the Sentai, they're actually the same character. Yeah, and so that's why if you ever if you go back and watch Zio, um, there's a pretty there's usually a pretty decent delineation between the American footage and the Sentai footage. Mm-hmm. And if you watch any scene with Sprocket and Gasket together, it's very clearly American footage. Yeah. Yeah, they were just really trying to sell them on being brothers, and it was a little weird. A little weird. I uh, had this Romeo and Juliet romance with Archerina, but no suicide. Yeah, so basically the way they explain that how Gasket and Archerina come in is that, like, I guess Gasket in this case would kind of be, like, the same thing as, like, uh, Hela and Thor. Mm-hmm. Where, like, uh, Thor Ragnarok. And this will not be the first time I mentioned Thor Ragnarok in this episode. Um, where, like, who's the older sibling who was cast out by Mondo. But the reason he was cast out by Mondo is because he fell in love with Archerina, who was from a warring kingdom. Yeah. And so they just sort of fucked off together for a while. And then, uh, conveniently, after Mondo disappears, Gasket comes back. And I remember when you heard this story. Yes. So, yeah, when I was like, isn't that just basically the plot of Sailor Moon? <laughs> I mean, not fully, but, you know, the whole thing about, like, you know, the, 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 the moon kingdom is, like, a separate kingdom from the Earth kingdom. And then, like, Princess Serenity meets, the, meets Prince Endymion from Earth. And they fall in love, but it ends up causing chaos for the Moon Kingdom because it somehow it releases people from the Dark Moon or from Earth. I don't remember right at this hot second. It's been a while. Um, Sailor Moon is weird and wonderful. Yes, I love it. I love it dearly. Um, but yeah, so it's just it's just like it's a little Archerina's backstory was a little Sailor Moonish, but oh my god, Archerina was. Yeah! She was very sexual looking for a robot. Yeah, she had like butt ruffles and like lingerie on her, and I'm like, okay. And her boobs were way more pronounced than like Machina's were. Yeah. I was like, okay. Hi. Go off. <laughs> I mean, I love a good sexy robot, but it was just like kind of just random in this in a series that was very marketed towards children. Not not O Ranger, but Power Rangers. Oh my god, that's about all there was to Archerina. Was she was girl dating Gasket and very sexual looking? Yeah, and she was an archer, obviously by her name. Yeah, and it was just really weird that she was the villain after they had like no after Kimberly no longer like was no longer there when Kimberly was the one who had archery powers. Yeah. Great job there. Uh, yeah, that's planning. Um, so as we said, like, we do still have our usual gang of suspects from Mighty Morphin, but they're kind of just hanging out. Yeah. For most of the season, and they're trying to get back into power, but they never fully succeed. Um, so I guess a lot of that involves Goldar and Rito, who 
uh, spent most of the season as amnesiacs living in Bulk and Skull's garage. Uh, it, it, it's just like the writers forgot about them constantly. So all of a sudden it would be like, la la la, mind our own business, Bulk and Skull ring a bell, and suddenly their maids were there. Yeah, or like, oh no, we accidentally left the garage door open, so Rito and Goldar got out. We have to find them like lost pets. Yeah, and they had signs and everything. It was real cute. Uh, but yeah, since they spend most of the season not remembering that they are, you know, two parts of, like, Rita and Zed's empire, they just sort of are like, where's our family? And it's this actually a pretty cute arc where, like, Bulk and Skull decide they're going to ha- try to help, like, Rito and Goldar find their family. Yeah. And then they do find their family, and it's Rita and Zed. Dun, dun, dun. Rito, we, we noted that Rito became more Cousin Eddie than he ever was. Yeah, and Goldar fully embraces uselessness. So, you know, character progression? Yeah. <laughs> um, And then, of course, there's Rita and Zed. So they're still, you know, they're still Rita and Zed. They're still the, you know, yeah, Rita's still the queen. They're still a bickering couple. Even to the, yeah, moving with the dad. Yeah, you never see Master Vile on screen, thankfully. But yeah, they have to move in with Master Vile for a hot minute before they get a space Winnebago. <laughs> that was so great. So they literally just drive around on the moon in this fucking space Winnebago because they can't seem to find the, like, the palace. Yeah. So is it the, is the, I don't know if it's the implication that the Machine Empire moves into the palace. My brain farted, so I don't know. Mm. I'll look it up. But yeah, so like they kind of end up taking a back seat um, while they're trying to kind of become the main villains of the series again. Yeah. And it ends up being a lot of comedic relief, especially in the later episodes. Uh, they did work with the Power Rangers once, much to Rita's like revulsion. Yeah, Zed 2 was also kind of like, oh, I don't want to work with the Power Rangers, but we kind of have to. Yeah. <laughs> It, it was really funny. Um, and then, like, there's a whole thing, like, especially later on, like, the with the Alien Ranger crossover, where it's like they have warring monsters with each other. Yeah. And the Rangers are just kind of stuck in the middle of it. Like, what the fuck is happening? The, the best part was, like, the Rangers aren't the ones to get the one up on the Machine Empire. It's them. <laughs> with a fucking pipe bomb. Yeah, it's literally just like, I heard the source of the mysterious ticking. It's a pipe bomb. (laughs) Yeah, so like Zed just gives a present to Sprocket after like the like the last episode and like they've defeated the machine empire. And I think they ran out of like footage for monsters. Yeah. And so they're just like, uh, or no, they ran out of footage for the Zords, I think. And they're just like, uh, fuck it. Uh, the Rangers are big to fight the monsters. (laughs) (laughs) It was so stupid. Yeah. But after all of that, like the machine empire ends up on the moon and Rita, uh, like Rita and Zed just give Sprocket a present and it just blows them up. It's kind of horrifying to see Sprocket's severed head, but also satisfying. Yeah, I mean, especially because it's like, well, they're robots, so they're not technically dead. Yeah, Mondo is speaking afterwards. Yeah, so. and he's like, we'll get our revenge. They never get their revenge. They never do. Yep. 
Oh, it's like, well, because technically at that point, they're just on the moon in a crater, like just pieces. Yep. Oh, God, that's kind of terrifying to think about. Uh, they get better. <laughs> they got better. They got better and then get dusted. Yeah. Uh, Ashley already knows what happens to Zordon. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know it's going to be like, well, we're, we're getting there soon enough. Yeah. But yeah, um, so I guess, well, we're done with the villains, so kind of let's go on to the side characters, which there's a decent amount of side characters this season. Oh, uh, yeah, they actually were like, reoccurring characters, we gotta have those. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the first like set we have, as we've mentioned them, is a Bulk and Skull. Which, weirdly enough, I would, didn't think I would say this, like, going from season one, they have probably become the most well-developed characters on Power Rangers. Yeah, it's so weird because they're side characters, and yet they're more developed than the actual Rangers. Yeah, so they're no longer, like, these kind of just dumb bullies who just want to, like, torment the Rangers and everyone else in school. Like, they started off at, like, the season continues them being junior police detectives. Yeah. Or junior police officers. But then they just, like, after, like, a midpoint in the season, uh, when Lieutenant Stone gets fired, and they, with their convictions, they decide, well, if if uh, Lieutenant Stone's not going to be here, neither will we. Yeah. And they walk out. And so along with Lieutenant Stone, they become private detectives. Kind of kind of kind of soft boiled if you're familiar with Common Rider Double. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of interesting to kind of that progression from like junior police officers and like is it especially because it happened because Bulk was trying to impress like the chief of police's daughter. Yeah. I guess since the chief of police doesn't really like that. And I guess since they were in Lieutenant Stone's care, quote, quote. Yeah. He ends up firing Lieutenant Stone. And like I said, they have their convictions and they're like, no, like that's Lieutenant Stone you're messing with. I was about to say like that episode really like was very, a very sweet bulk episode. Yeah. Cause it was like, uh, it was a cute episode. Like bulk never got fat shamed for liking, like going after a very cute girl. Yeah. I, ultimately him leaving his job like and sticking to his conventions is what impressed her yeah and he got her in the end i mean she never shows up in an episode again because this is power rangers but it was really cute yeah and like i love that she went bulk went to tanya for advice oh hey what do women like in a guy at this point like bulk and skull are kind of seen as whenever the rangers come around and the rangers they're like oh it's bulk and skull instead of like oh it's bulk and skull yeah which just kind of i think shows their own growth within the series is that like yeah they're kind of obnoxious but they're pleasantly obnoxious yeah one of the things i noted was that jason skull's actor showing off his chops randomly during like the bodyguard ripoff episode I'm like why'd you have to go so hard on your acting for that little bit because this is before he was really in school for getting his PhD, right? Uh, even before his master's. I think that his master's was around uh, Lost Galaxy. Right. And But yeah, it's like he obviously went to school for acting. He was going to show that off. That so was really interesting. Like I, So I got curious about the fact, because I, I know Jason Darby is a, um, not only just a professional actor, he's like a trained Shakespearean actor. And I, like, I tried to go online to see if I could find if like he'd ever, like anything had ever been recorded of him doing like something from Shakespeare. Uh, but I actually found this great video of him talking about like Shakespearean acting and he really gets into it. Oh my God. Explaining how, what, like, 
how Shakespearean acting worked. Supposed to be seen and not read, but also, you know, art for the masses. Yeah. Uh, It was just like, it kind of blew my mind a little bit. And I was just like, he's awesome. Yeah. And I I feel like this season, like, he really kind of got to be a little bit, like, obviously he's still the, you know, he's still Skull. He's still the comic relief. But I feel like he kind of got to, you know, play around with it a little bit more. And he's clearly having a great time. Yeah. Yeah, and so the season also, like, it's not a, it's reoccurring enough that they keep putting them in women's clothing. And we just were like, Skull got better with makeup. Yeah, and it's just like, so he just continues our Michelle, uh, Michelle in HR canon. Just Skull learning how to do makeup, probably did Bulk's makeup at one point. Yeah. The fashion they put them in looks better. Um, so, well, I mean, there's the, that last episode where they dress up as old women undercover, which the hilarious part of that is that they actually, like, don't dress out when they go and quit Lieutenant Stone's, like, um, private practice. Yeah. Like, they take the wigs off. That was it. It's this very serious moment, and they're, they're like, still in drag. Yeah. Yeah, it was one of the things I liked uh, about them and showing their growth from being, like, ha-ha, we don't do goody two-shoe things, was um, when Reno and Goldar just paid them in trash, like, and... Like, there was, like, a rotten fish corpse and stones and stuff. And they were like, yeah, sure, we'll find your family. Yeah, it was very sweet. And I think that you definitely do see their growth of, like, wanting to do things because it's right. I mean, obviously, there was a good part of, like, we need to get paid because, that one, it's them. And, two, that's their job. Yeah. But, you know, I think you do see more of kind of, like, you know, their hearts of gold. Like, especially, like, we mentioned with the bodyguard episode. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a brief plot line that only pops up in the episode for five minutes. And then like, it's like, oh, well, Skull helped the, um, Skull helped the, uh, the model with dunking her in tomato juice. That's it. (laughs) But like, you get this brief moment of actually really good acting. Yeah. Instead of, you know, Austin St. John's terrible line reads. (laughs) God, they were so terrible. They were so bad. Yeah, so basically, as we noted, they're still bumbling idiots, but they're bumbling idiots with hearts of gold. And, like, really, that's what counts. Yeah. Do they live on their own at this point? That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, because it's very clear that they're living in, like, they don't really delineate whose garage it is. It could be Bulk's garage, could be Skull's garage, or it could be Bulk and Skull's garage. The implication that it's Bulk and Skull's. Yeah. So it's like... Are they living on their own at this point? Is like, is one of them living with the other one with their parents? We don't know. We don't know. But, you know, it's like, it's, I I guess it's that kids show thing of not wanting to get into the parents too much and just focus on like the characters. Yeah. But, you know, they're also like two guys with full time jobs. Yeah, pretty much. Because, like, I don't think you ever really see them back at the school. You only really see them at the youth center. Um, oh, they they do go to the school, but only as, like, police officers. So, like, either they dropped out or they had graduated. We'll find out at the beginning of Turbo. Oh, dear. Which, speaking of which... Oh, no. I'm sorry. Look out for chimpanzees. <sighs> anyway, um, so we've talked about Lieutenant Stone a little bit, and wow... There's so much going on with Lieutenant Stone. Yeah. He's into rose gardening, gardening, nor films, coffee, and fancy sports cars. How? How even? Uh, what was it like? I think it was you or Kurt were like, 
he is obviously like a trust fund baby from an old Hollywood like actress. Yeah, I think I I said he was hold like you guys said like, um trust fund baby. I was the one who said like maybe like an old Hollywood actress because like and you see this with bulk this season not bulk skull this season too about like you know just constantly referencing these very old Hollywood things. Yeah. Yeah, it's like how are like yeah, just old sports cars. He also knows enough about boxing to host free boxing courses at the youth center. Yeah, so weird. Yeah, I don't quite get it, but sure. Um, and yeah, he was like, and as we mentioned, he was fired because of Bulk's actions, which leaves Bulk and Skull to leave the police force. So he goes from being Lieutenant Stone to mm-hmm. uh, Detective Stone. And he kind of comes around on Bulk and Skull instead of being like a total hard ass. He's still a hard ass, but more like a dorky dad hard ass to them. Yeah, I think it, it definitely kind of improves the the relationship there, I think. And uh, he kind of ends up kind of being their straight man to kind of their bumbling, goofy shenanigans. Yeah. And then it's like, it's kind of weird at the end of just like, they decide they're like they're going to go to France, which going to France is just a fucking thing in Power Rangers, apparently. We're going to go to France. Oh, ho, ho. Yeah. It's like, they're going to go to France to be like, I guess, Interpol agents or something like that. Yeah. Something like that. And like, he's, he's kind of sad about it, but he kind of gives them the whole like, if you walk out that door, you can't come back. Then there's uh, Ernie, good old Ernie. Nothing's much changed about them except we found out that he ends up inheriting wealth from the Burbling Burble Baby Company. Yeah, because he was the, I guess because it's supposed to be a parody of the Gerber yeah. company. So, like, I guess he would be, like, their equivalent of the Gerber baby. He ends up getting, like, a whole lot, it seems like he gets a whole lot of money because of it and a lifetime of baby food. Yeah. What? Yeah, that was a thing. He got remember he got like a lifetime of baby food. Yeah, I know. It's just it's just like yeah. why? Um, but yeah, at some point he goes on vacation, he comes back. I mean he's more of a he's more of a reoccurring character this season. He's even in the credits. Mm-hmm. So you just see him more often, but he's just sort of like, okay, I'm I'm the adult here. Wise bartender. Yeah, wise bartender. He goes off, takes a vacation. For a bit comes back he runs a beach club it's just sort of an extension of like the the youth center not much has changed she's still good old ernie good old ernie though i did love your head candidate ernie knows her power rangers just ignores it yeah because it's like in a whole thing about like they constantly ch- like morph or transport out of the youth center and they're usually very loud when they do it so i just imagine that you like ernie's just sort of like he knows they're Power Rangers, but decides to look the other way to kind of protect them. You know what I just realized? What we forgot to mention about Skull that came up? What? He's a classically trained pianist. Right! Oh my god, how did we forget that? I know, and it's such like a sweet episode between him and Bulk. Yeah, and it's it's probably one of the best episodes of the season, honestly, where like, it, it kind of, it, that, that was also an Adam-focused episode. Yeah. Um, where like, Adam has to take a music class because like, his counselors like you had to diversify uh, your credits and they're looking like machine empires looking for a musician for machina's birthday it ends up being like this really nice kind of arc where the two of them have to like one skull has to kind of learn to like that he can go to like he has to be himself or and if his friends can't take it fuck him yeah you know it's a it's a very pleasant one bulk's like oh my god my friend's so talented and i'm really sorry that i was a jerk before yeah like it's such a sweet episode yeah and like that's also an episode where like jason really gets to like uh jason narvey gets to kind of 
use his acting chops. It's actually kind of emotional when he's like, you know, I can't let anybody know that I'm like really good at this or like they'll make fun of me. Yeah, I'm supposed to be this hard punk, you know, not not a classically trained pianist. Right. Oh, though, it's really funny when he like performs at the talent show. Like he basically is just ripping off Mozart and Amadeus. Even laughs and like Amadeus. Oh, or something like that. it's been a while since I've watched Amadeus. That sounded more like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was very silly, but very sweet. And yeah, I think that was one that. Yeah, I think that and it came from Angel Grove are probably my favorite episodes of the season. So I guess getting back on track, uh, I just, thank you for reminding me of that. I like so much of the season kind of runs together. That's uh, yeah. like easy to forget, like what we've actually watched. Oh, yeah. Even though I take notes and everything, but uh, anyway, so coming from the whole thing about Ernie is that there's in one of the late, the later episodes in the season after Ernie opens the beach club, we get these um as I called it as a reference to Letter Kenny these DJs from up north <laughs> of like this motorcycle club of teenagers just being like this is our turf you can't have a beach like you can't like open a beach club here even though it's a public beach. Grr. and then um emily this random blonde chick uh was part of that um group but jason convinces her she should talk to the leader and convince him that uh, ernie should like open his beach club there and it works because this is power rangers where like any sort of conflict can be easily solved like any sort of conflict that's not with a monster can be easily solved with t- talking to each other and um, Ernie just hires her on as a waitress, and then she gets a love arc with Jason and just kind of disappears until she's needed. Yeah, and it's like, okay, so I get that Jason's kind of into her, but it's just sort of like, okay, so what else is there to Emily besides she's just a person who showed up in, like, episode 40? She's hot. She's hot, yeah. Um, oh, I'm, I'm Jason, I have no personality. Yeah, that's that was basically all we really had there for for Emily, and then like she's, apparently she's gone by Turbo. Yep. Cool. Great. Super guys. Awesome. Yeah, and then like there's another reoccurring character this season that we were just also like reoccurring characters that are aren't like you know people credited in the credits that those happen. That was Raymond. Yeah. Who like he initially shows up in the episode like the computer episode because he was like. The hacker man of the computer club. Hacker man. And hacker, hacker man. <laughs> and then like he kind of comes back in a couple of other episodes and then he shows up in the holiday special because he's Jewish. Yep. That holiday special was so weird. It was. Which kind of had me going there like because the whole plot of the, the holiday special was that like Mondo hates diversity. <laughs> Yes. So like, uh, so they're doing like this like thing at the youth center where they're like show like talking about all the other holidays celebrated around, around Christmas besides Christmas. So it's like Tommy's got all this stuff about Christmas and Raymond's showing off things about Hanukkah, menorah. like the menorah and uh, how to light it. And I, you said that there were supposed to be latkes there, but they didn't really look like latkes. Yeah, they looked very much like hamantashen, which is porum. Uh, I mean, I guess I, the worst part about that is that Saban is Jewish. He would definitely know the difference. I'm guessing because latkes don't last long and they would get really disgusting. And then Tanya talks about Kwanzaa. And I guess that's because she's the only black character on the show. But it's also like, 
Kwanzaa is an is specifically African-American. Yeah. And she, yes, Tanya is African-American who got stranded in Africa back in time, but then got transported to like today. But like uh, Kwanzaa has also really only been around since 1966. Yeah. So we don't know when Tanya came from. So it's like, that could be a slight anachronism that she knows about Kwanzaa, but sure. Power Rangers, sure. Yeah, she was talking about Kwanzaa, and then they get hit with like the bigotry beam or something. <laughs> I don't think they called it the bigotry beam, but we're just gonna call it that. <laughs> it, it was it was pretty much something really stupidly named of obvious. Yeah, so then they start arguing with each other about how terrible their holidays are and how their holidays are the right ones, and then like. It's really funny because Tanya's yelling about like, like, uh, it's Kwanzaa, not Christmas. And it's like, don't most people who celebrate Kwanzaa also celebrate Christmas because it happens literally right after Christmas. Yeah. Also, Rocky just being like, yeah, I'm from Korea. We don't celebrate Christmas. It's like. Oh, Adam. Oh, Adam. Sorry. Though Rocky's somehow not celebrating at all either, which is just like, okay, you're both American. Like, you're both like. Adam's Korean American. Um, Rocky is supposed to be Mexican American, I think. Yeah. They're all of a sudden they're just like, well, we don't celebrate Christmas. And I'm like, I think, okay, definitely you guys would probably at least be celebrating it secularly. I don't know like what the status of like Adam's parents are religiously, but like <laughs> And then this and then this kid came in and sang a song. <laughs> really off key. It was like, hey, my kids in it was like one of the producers or cruise kids, and it's like, hey, my kids in the choir, let's just put them in there to sing. Yeah, it was that episode was really weird. I didn't think you could outdo like cross current of holiday magic in terms of weirdness, but there you go. Yeah, Mondo's big tree beam. But that was that was mostly Raymond was Hacker Man. We also determined he was a stoner when he was accidentally left out in the desert. Yeah, because there's like a whole episode where like Tommy and Cat are doing a science project with him. But then Ranger bullshit happens. Raymond just kind of thinks that they left him out in the desert. I love like afterwards they're like, oh, sorry, man. What? I forgot what excuse that they had. They could have said, oh, hey, yeah, monsters attacked us and then the Power Rangers saved us. And that would have been perfectly believable. Yeah, because it's just like, OK, we haven't mentioned the fact that like we so we did watch the Zio, like the lost episode of Zio with the Zio shorts. Yeah. Which is non-canonical. And it's just like you talking about like, oh, aliens are coming from outer space. And it's like, this is Angel Grove. You're used to aliens. Yes. And monsters. And like, I love the fact that like there are things in this season that does establish that, yes, everyone in Angel Grove is aware that they are constantly attacked by monsters and the Power Rangers save them. Including an alarm system. Yeah. Which was like a little nice effect, but it was just sort of like, but yeah, when they come up with this really weird bullshit excuse of, because basically they got shrunk down into being super tiny. So they had to kind of run away and it seemed like they disappeared. So, but Raymond's like, why'd you leave me out in the desert? And they come up with this bullshit excuse. And when it's just like, guys, you could just say like, oh, we ran into a monster and we kind of had to get out of there. Sorry, we left you behind, bro. Or the monster captured us and we had to wait for the Power Rangers to save us. Yeah, or just that, uh, that works too. And then like, it's still just be like, oh, okay, yeah, that happens in Angel Grove, right on. But yeah, we just determined like Raymond's a stoner. Yeah, 
it would at least explain why he was like, oh, yeah, that works. Yeah, dude. He just kind of had an entire stoner vibe. I don't not It wasn't just the computer thing. It's just in general. <laughs> in general, he just seemed like he toked a lot. Yeah. We previously talked about Sean when we talked about Tanya, who is just a douchebag. Douchebag. Like when we first introdu- introduced to him. Like, Tanya is, they they just, like, they either started dating or Tanya, like, is trying to cozy up to date him. And he, she was helping him on on his algebra test. And he's like, well, I have the answers, so I don't need to study. And it goes through this whole thing of, like, you're a cheater and that's all you do. And then he he passes the test on his own right. But I'm like, okay, you didn't dump him for being a jerk then, but. Boy, I'm glad you dumped him after the sexism he yelled at, like, after the sporting thing. Yeah, because it's like he yells at her after the baseball game, which they won. And I forget what exactly he yells at, because it's just like, I guess her her playing wasn't good enough or whatever. Uh, Yeah, she kind of choked up. Yeah, which is understandable. It's her first game and she chokes up a little bit, but like they still won. And then she's basically like, no, you're not respecting me. So bye. Fuck you. Yeah, fuck you. So he's they're only there for like the first two episodes, like the first two episodes, the first three episodes. And then he disappears for a long while. And then like he comes back towards the end of the season when Adam's training for a um, Kung Fu tournament, which uh sean is also in somehow it's another cheating episode for him because he's like oh i found this thing that's really gonna give me an advantage and it's this like gold medallion that's dropped by one of the cogs that turns things invisible so how do you think you're gonna win a kung fu tournament by turning invisible i don't know it's cheating and it's evil and indy had like a new girlfriend who was evil and like yeah beat him up yeah they were both kind of collectively the Angela of this season. I'm like, what is with the season and like hating women? We'll get to that. Yeah. Especially black women. Yeah. Jesus. It was just so weird. But then he like off screen, he turns around. He's like, you know what? I shouldn't cheat. So I'm just going to go into this tournament. I'll like do it myself. And he like nearly fights Adam to a draw. It's, uh, he turns a new leaf and then he's never seen again. Thank God. Yeah. Our next up uh, part is David Trueheart, who is uh, was part of Tommy's vision quest and ends up being Tommy's twin brother, though played by JDF's older brother. Yeah. So, yeah, he's played by Eric Frank. Yeah, it's just David was a strange character in terms of like, one, the origins of like, I'm your brother. And we were separated at first because you're adopted. Well, it's because Tommy knows he's adopted and that's never come up before. Yeah. And but he also figured like he's he's the only one to know that like Tommy is a Power Ranger. Yeah, because like it's the only way that he can explain why how he lost the Arrowhead. Yeah, and it's just like oh god, this is, uh, and it, that's also going back to the racism because it's like, well, you know, Jason David Frank isn't Native American, and I'm sure you weren't either, Eric. <laughs> also, he, he just kind of like. He was one of those red herrings and then just kind of dropped out of the seri- series. Yeah, so, like, I mean, he lasted longer than I thought he would. Like, I expected he would show up for, like, the arc, the, the you know, the racism arc, and then we'd never see him again. But he showed up a couple of times after that and, again, was one of the red herrings for the Gold Ranger. 
And then they just sort of did nothing with him beyond that. And like, do they ever mention again on the series that Tommy has a brother? No, I don't think so. Oh my God. Like, I, I know it has to be a bit of a fraught subject for JDF since Eric did pass away. That's just a weird thing to introduce for a character and then just sort of never bring up. He's never even brought up he's adopted or anything. It's just like, this didn't happen. Yeah, okay, thanks. Power Rangers, the more we talk about Power Rangers, the more I realize they need continuity pickers. They really do, like, especially, well, at least what I've seen of Beast Morphers, there seems to be at least a decent amount of continuity there. Yeah. But these early seasons of Power Rangers, it's just the Wild West. The Wild West of continuity, and it continues to be like that for ages. Oh, Lord. <laughs> We're just going to move on from um, from David Trueheart there. I guess that's that, that implied that, like... No, I guess that would just imply that maybe he's, like, John, like, John Trueheart's, like, somehow related to Tommy. But I don't want to think too hard about that. It's just going to lead us into another hole of, like, yelling about how stupid this is. Yes. Um, so I guess moving on is that we have the Equitions. They come back. Yeah. Um, though it's mostly like Sestro, uh, though we do see Delphine um come back as well. And they're just kind of there to be helpful with the science shit that like Billy can't figure Billy and Alpha can't figure out. Uh Billy ends up going to their planet because they need help. Yeah, so like I said, we he's gone for a few seasons, and then there's a whole episode where like they worried that they can't rescue him from space. When Pyramidas crashes into their planet, remember when I pointed out, I was like, that would boil the oceans and kill them. Uh, but, you know, Power Rangers, we can't expect, like, you know, hard science logic, especially <laughs> from a badly 3D animated pyramid. Oh, it was so badly animated. Oh, my God. It was like, that was peak bad 90s CGI. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's probably why it didn't boil the oceans. It was entirely CGI. But yeah, it was just sort of like, yeah, they, I, I guess because they wanted to like build up to the whole like when they used the O-Ranger, Kaku Ranger like movie footage. Yeah. And it was nice to kind of have that continuity of the having the Equitions be there. And like, because I, I, I remember somebody saying, like, I forget who said it, but talk, talking about how they enjoyed Alien Rangers because it kind of showed the power rangers being like a universal force of good yeah and so kind of having that continuity of like hey the equations are still allies to the power rangers was pretty cool yeah even if they were just sort of used as uh plot escape devices for writing out billy yeah because yeah sestria at the very end was just really weird because it's like hey you know maybe if you showed billy's time on aquatar and like the people he got to know there and maybe his budding romance with her or whatever i'd be a little less apt like a little less audibly angry about this yeah so like oh she's feeding him the water from their fountain of youth and it sort of works but he has to go to aquatar now yeah, but he's in love with her, and they're old friends. They're really old friends, you guys, even though we never showed this to you. We're not trying to cover up that uh, David Yost is gay. Or left the set. Or left the set. That's not happening. Yeah, we're very salty about this. Yeah. Oh, God. It's, I feel like this, this episode's going to be long, and you guys are really listening to it. Thank you for sticking with us. Yes. Thank you for sticking around to these... Well, we're not old, but we're like... 
not teenage queers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, I'm almost 30. You're in your 30s. We are, it's so much. So, like, okay, we're getting to our last two characters to kind of mention here. So, we have uh, Tritor, who was, he only showed up in the King for a Day arc, which uh, he was interesting. I compared him to Korg from Thor Ragnarok, and basically that episode does have a similar plot to Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. <laughs> At least the first half of Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. But... <laughs> So uh, is, the, the King for a Day thing is like, it's a whole thing where like Tommy gets kidnapped and mind wiped by Prince Gasket. And like, they give like his powers to like one of Gasket's warriors. And like, he has to fight, like they convince Tommy that the Power Rangers are evil, similar to what they did with Auric earlier in the season. Yeah. And you know, they're training people to be, they're making people be gladiators against the monsters and, like, somehow Bulk and Skull get sucked into this. Because they do. Yep. And he kind of helps Bulk and Skull escape, like, the, the everything while the Power Rangers are dealing with Tommy's amnesiac ass. Yeah. And he's, uh, I found this out. He was played by the stunt coordinator and later producer, uh, Koichi Sakamoto. Yeah, and, like, it's very obvious he's overdubbed, but it was just, like... It just like I kind of love just that they kind Bulk and Skull like established this friendship with this lizard man who is a great warrior and like this lizard man thinks they're great warriors too and it's like sure we'll go with that yeah sure <laughs> it was a fun little subplot it, it was and then we're on their final character Orc the Conqueror uh but yeah was originally tricked to thinking the Rangers were evil and then found out they weren't and he was supposed to be kind of this power up ally like Ninjor. Because of all the O-Ranger footage was used with him so much with the uh, other characters, like, out of suit, they just didn't use him at all. Yeah, and it was just kind of weird, because he's only really there for three episodes. And, like, the last episode we see him, he tries to, like, talk the monsters down, and then, like, like a wuss. Yeah. But he kind of talks with that affected, like, medieval accent. So we did kind of determine he'd be good friends with Ivan from Dino Charge. Oh, yeah, he, he'd love Ivan. Yeah, because they, they're just the, both the same kind of, like, over-the-top and chivalrous. Yeah. God, I miss Ivan. I'm very I'm very excited for Ivan, Tyler, um, Chase, and Coda to come back in Beast Morphers. Not Papa John. Not Papa John. Just those <laughs> four, not Papa <laughs> God damn it, Twitter! Oh, so yeah, somebody compared uh, Austin St. John in that trailer to Papa John, and we can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> I thought this was Papa John, like, oh my god, he does look like Papa John now. Oh, uh, but yeah, I'm uh, uh, just a, yeah, that little rabbit trail to Beast Morphers. I'm very excited for them to come back on Beast Morphers. Um, and we'll, you know, when the time comes, we will get in depth to Beast Morphers and Dino Charge and all of that fun stuff. Let's just kind of go into, like, some stuff that isn't characters. Uh, this season had a really weird flow. Uh, it leaned more into the goofiness, uh, especially towards the end, but it just got uneven, uh, particularly after Jacius shows up. It's just that momentum grinds to a halt. Yeah, and it was just like, because the first part of the season, I actually really enjoyed it. Um, you know, it's not deep television or anything, but it just, like, it seemed to kind of lean into the fact that, like, oh, this is a very silly premise and a very silly franchise. So we're just yeah. going to kind of have, it, 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 it feel like it embraced the silliness. 
but then like you know once the gold ranger kind of starts being a thing and then it kind of became obvious that the gold ranger wasn't going to have a satisfying conclusion yeah it just sort of kind of started grinding to a slow halt especially because like it just sort of so we kind of figured out like based on timelines they were probably already in pre-production for the turbo movie um and it seemed like they were maybe trying to lead up to the turbo movie and kind of have the conclusion of zeo be in the turbo movie and then they just sort of forgot to do that yep so like you kind of just have this season because like at least mighty morphin not counting the first two seasons of mighty morphin but mighty morphin season three when it's very clear that mighty morphin power rangers as we know it is ending you know they have this big like cliffhanger finale yeah where like you know the command center blows up and it looks like they've lost their powers they also started and and on the reruns of the of the mighty morphin episodes they would show like those zeo shorts yeah so they were clearly hyping up zeo to be the next big thing and then when we get towards the end of zeo it kind of just ends like there's no big epic conclusion where they lose their powers or anything like that, leaving you to wonder, oh, what's going to happen, especially with this new movie coming out soon. Um, it just sort of stops. Like, not e- the Rangers don't even, like, stop the Machine Empire. Yeah. Like, oh, well, they're not the ones that kill off the Machine Empire. It's Red... It's Z... It's Rita and Zed. Rita and Zed. Zed. You pronounce words. <laughs> no, Zed. Like- Zed. No, it, it just kind of peters off of Jason loses his powers. The end. Yeah. Like, okay, it's that's the end. Rocky's missing now, thank God. And actually it was because um the actor Steve um hurt his back. Yeah, I it's very hilarious in the last episode. It's like, sorry we took you away from martial arts camp. I, I think Power Rangers has more good excuses of why characters go away than they have good writing. <laughs> it's like peace conference, uh, training to be an Olympic gymnast, uh, marrying a fish lady that you met on another planet. Uh, going back in time, being like, these animals need me, even though I'm eight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh. <laughs> Sorry, I was at karate camp. <laughs> Power Rangers. Oh my god. Because I mean, at least the comics, I haven't read Necessary Evil yet, but at least the comics came up for a good excuse of what the Peace Conference actually was. Yeah. We'll get to that eventually. But yeah, I mean, so those last 10 episodes did feel a lot like filler, and it's just sort of felt like they should have been building to something. And they were just filler episodes. Yeah, like the big kind of emotional ending arc of the season comes with the King for a Day episodes. Yeah. And then everything else after that's just sort of like <laughs> cool. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, we like we did enjoy like, you know, parts of the season, especially some of the goofier episodes. Like, you know, it came from Angel Grove. Um, what was the name of the like the episode we had mentioned with Skull being like the the concert pianist? Instrument of Destruction. Yeah, so that was a good one. Um, and you know, you just like you think you get to see kind of these like character moments you wouldn't really get to see on power rangers otherwise yeah because like so often it comes down to oh well you know we're just gonna fight the monster of the week but how you have you kind of have this like they go off the path with this like wizard of oz-esque like plot for adam 
that kind of gets into like, hey, he's kind of messed up that like, you know, he's constantly thinking about having to save the world. Yeah. Even in his dreams. And it was so silly. Like the dream itself was silly, like Temacula. Temacula. I I desperately want to do um a Halloween special about that episode specifically at some point. And if you guys are interested in that, just let us know. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like Temacula and Valencia the Witch. Skull as a professor for some reason. And he, I think he kept being like death. Yeah. It was it was very silly. Look, that, that's what we said. Like Jason Narvi kind of got to have a little bit more fun inside the usual parameters of Skull. Yeah. I would say the fashion, like the fashion show episode was that besides like it had some weird plot lines going on. Like there's I felt like there's about three different B plots happening. Yeah. But I still had fun watching that episode. No, it was a lot of fun watching that episode. And there there, there was like we enjoy, as much as we kind of ragged on it. It's like we did enjoy the season, guys. We watched it. We didn't like, oh, God, we got to watch Power Rangers right now. Yeah, it, it wasn't like when we were watching season one or season three. Like, we had a good time. It was just kind of like, we sat down and we are just like, huh. Once we really break it down, it's a little weird. It's a little weird. Yeah, not much character growth or establishment went on, uh, even with the new characters. Yeah, because like I said, Tanya just sort of was just sort of, and she gets, she's obviously the newest character, but like, it did sometimes feel like they did swap her out for Aisha in terms of like, and they couldn't really figure out what her backstory was. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. And like, but the characters that we saw from previous seasons, like Tommy gets the most growth, but even then it's like not that much. And then every other, everybody else is just sort of like, they's the same. They are the same. Yeah. And uh, we kind of went, like a little bit got into this with, with Kat, but there was so much issue with women in the season. Like Machina was just, evil like potty lady tanya was like basically aisha's replacement with a little bit more snark to her and a a little bit more personality and then cat was just like i said idealized woman yeah and it was just yeah it was like i felt like there's a lot of potential there kind of maybe grow the characters a little bit more but it, it it just, yeah, it just felt like the women needed saving so much, too, in this season. Yeah, and it was frustrating. And, yeah, like, the villains are, the villains were weird just because it just didn't, it felt like there wasn't much stakes there besides, like, kind of just, oh, well, there were the villains in O-Ranger, so we're just going to slap them into, um... Zeo. We're just going to slap them in for Zeo uh, and just maybe have, you know... Rita and Zed just kind of hanging out in the background. Uh, they didn't really establish them to kind of like for the first couple of episodes, it felt like, yeah, the machine empire is very powerful and they're a threat. And then it was just sort of like meat morp, meat morp, same, you know, same shit, different season. Uh, though you did, we did notice here that the cogs are very powerful, probably more power, like definitely more powerful than the tangas or the putties. And yeah, because like. One of the more interesting bits of character growth, and this was actually like pointed out by uh, Linkara in History of Power Rangers, is um, the Rangers eventually start fighting the putties and tangas and all that without needing to power up. The cogs, however, they constantly need a power up to take them on, and even Billy like almost got taken away because of the cogs, and he's dealt with foot soldiers before. 
Yeah, and like the only way that like Billy manages to escape the cogs is that he thankfully had like it was a whole thing with like a toy truck he was like building for like a, a dance or something like that. Yeah. Uh I think it was the episode with Bulk and Skull like trying to like it was Bulk trying to impress that girl. Uh, because it was like he had to donate a toy to go to the dance. And like so Billy being Billy, he creates his own toy. Uh, but he had a magnet on him, and I guess because you know they're metal, and you know he can just sort of like drive them this really powerful magnet past them, and it like fucks with them because they're metal and machines and machines. So I guess it fucks with their hard drives. Yeah, you know, like any high-powered magnet does. But yeah, so it's like even Billy had a bit of a hard time, and like you know Billy's no slouch; he's a former ranger, like. You know, I'm sure, like, even if, it, like, if he dealt with a putty or a tanga in that form, he could still take them on. Yeah. But apparently cogs are much harder to deal with. And there's even an entire episode where, like, it's actually, like, kind of reminds me of, this is going to be the weirdest parallel, uh, of the of the Battlestar Galactica episode 33. Mm-hmm. It, and this is one of the first episodes of the 20, 2004 Battlestar Galactica where the Cylons attacked every 33 minutes oh dear and it was a way to try to wear down the fleet so that way they'd be easier to attack Mm -hmm. so basically every 33 minutes they had to like go and jump to another like part of the universe and every 33 minutes the cylons would find them and attack and it was just everybody nobody could sleep nobody could everybody was kind of running um running themselves down so that plot line is like similar to the, like one of the other plot lines. And I think it was the episode with the monster that would like making people go to sleep. Yeah. I would sing the. Sing the lullaby. Yeah. I would sing the lullabies. And I th- it was Rockabye Rangers. I think it was called. Yeah. And like similar like plot, even though like, you know, the 2004 Battlestar Galactica came very much after this, where it was just like the Machina kept sending the cogs to attack the Rangers just sort of at random but like they would just sort of they would they would send the cogs the rangers would come cogs wouldn't really like attack them and then the cogs would just go away and it was just done as a plot to make the rangers tired yeah <laughs> so which is actually like uh, from that perspective like especially thinking about 33 is a very good tactical plot is like you wear down your enemy it makes them more susceptible to attack yeah but then like you add in like just the sleep monster and then it's just sort of a whole thing from there (laughs) (laughs) because it's goofy it's goofy but um another thing we liked in it was the gold ranger red herring um it was clunky but i thought it was better than the white ranger ones because like they actually explored in the show Oh, who could be the Gold Ranger? Ooh, could it be Billy? Could it be David? Could it be that stoner dude, Raymond? Could it be Skull? Could it be Skull? That was one of the possibilities. Could it be Skull? Because, like, I remember the campaign for the White Ranger. Like, they didn't build up in the show's canon of, like, having the White Ranger show up and save the day or all that. No, the White Ranger just happened. Yeah. Whereas, Whereas, like, in the show... They actually build up to the Gold Ranger, like, oh, who could the Gold Ranger be? And it's this dork from Triforia. Yeah, and while while the payoff was kind of disappointing, it did they did definitely try to establish it as a mystery of like, oh, who could the Gold Ranger be? We like this is somebody that we don't know because usually the Six Ranger is like 
at least up until this point, the sixth ranger was always somebody else on the team. Yeah. Or somebody else that the rangers knew. Yeah, so it was just sort of interesting to kind of have it just be like this big mystery. And I think it added a very interesting element towards the later half of the season, even if it wasn't the best developed thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess getting over all of that, I mean, our verdict is... We don't hate it. We don't hate it. We don't hate it. It was smoother than season three. Yeah, which, that's, a, that's a low bar to clear. I mean, I will say it was fun to watch as a kid, and it still holds up as fun as an adult. However, like we said, it's like, it's weird storytelling and no character growth kind of detracts from it. And it just felt like they had a good idea, fumbled the ball midway through and then couldn't get back in the game and then like we said like upon closer inspection it just didn't hold up to the scrutiny because like i i just remember like oh yeah let's let's get talked about zeo and then we really started doing our notes we're like wow nothing fucking happened yeah and it but it was a still a fun ride yeah I, I mostly agree with jay here like i really enjoyed how fun and goofy it was especially in the first part of the season like, I, there was genuine laughter from me, but, like, kind of once the Gold Ranger showed up and they kind of got more, deeper into the Gold Ranger stuff, it kind of started to slow down. And then once Jason shows up, it just kind of stops. It didn't kill the season for me. Like, I still would say, like, out of what we've watched so far in terms of, like, just the TV stuff, not um, not counting the comics or the 2017 movie, um, it's probably been my favorite so far in terms of TV, but it was disappointed that, like, it just sort of stops at the end. It doesn't really have like a satisfying conclusion. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's going to be it for this episode. So uh, once again, we want to thank Joe Hunter for um, our amazing artwork as usual. Uh, his comic Beast Heart Strikers is now going to be available on Comixology, the comic he did with Land Pitts. We also want to thank Kurt Yoder for uh, helping with editing for the episode. Or rather, he's editing the episode. Rather, he helped with he did help with editing for the last episode with the uh, the Cutie Honey movie. So again, thank you for that, Kurt, and thank you again. Uh, our wrestler for the month is going to be our uh, our big favorite gay man with uh, Effie, and he's going to be uh, part of. He's doing like nearly every show during WrestleMania weekend, but his big show is going to be Effie's Big Gay Brunch, which is happening on April the fourth at eleven a.m. And I will be there. I have second row seat. Uh, so I'm very excited to meet Cranberry and just go to a big, like go to the biggest gayest wrestling show I have ever been to in my life. Um, so if you're going to be there at Ma uh, Mania Weekend, please come say hi. I will be around. Uh, and I'm very excited to see Effie. And I am a little sorry. We did not wait until Dino Thunder to do this, but uh, we felt promoting uh, his show was going to be a bigger deal. Um, so once again, you can always find us on, um, you can always find us online at rangersplain.wordpress.com where you can find all of our show notes, uh, on Twitter and Instagram at, at rangersplain. You can always also shoot us an email at, uh, rangersplain at gmail.com. Uh, so I found out, uh, you know, you can usually find us on all of our usual places, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, CastBox, Spotify, podcast.com. Uh, but we did find out we are also on Podbay. And uh, Blueberry is what I found out last night um, after we did the notes. Uh, so you can find us all there. Um, I, uh, myself, Ashley, you can find me on Twitter at, at MissKittyF, as well as Instagram at MissKittyF. I am also on Gumroad, um, which is gumroad.com slash Ashley Leckwold. Uh, it's also on my pinned tweet if you need to find it easier. 
I will also be uh, tabling at the Cusp Expo. That is the Chattanooga Underground Small Press Expo uh, as part of the Chattanooga Comics Co-op on Saturday, April the tw uh, 25th at, from 12 to 4 p.m. at Infinity Flux. Um, super excited for that. This is going to be the first time I'm going to be tabling at any sort of con or um, small press expo. Uh, so if you're in the Chattanooga area, come see me there. And I think by the time this episode comes out, the contest for their running is still going to be online. Uh, so you can find them at, if you find Infinity Flux on Facebook or the Cusp Expo on um, on Facebook, and I'll link this in the show notes as well. Uh, if you are a comics creator, uh, they in the um, in the Southwest area, so um, in Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, I think South Carolina as well. Um, feel free to submit. Um, and then I guess that leaves you, Jay, to plug your stuff. Uh, my uh, Twitter is sends the hell. That was sends with a two hell. My Instagram is Jay Jackets. You can find me at Gumroad. Uh, my handle is JSSWrites87. Um, you can also find Kurt and I on Etsy um, with Great SG Creations. And we uh, also do Perler commissions. Oh, also, if you want to see some pictures of Jay's adorable cats, um, you can follow them on Instagram at WitchcraftNCats. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I mean, our podcast mascot's in there. Come on, man. Yeah, you can see pictures of Coda, Joe, and also Blackjack and Henry. Yes. Um, and so that's going to be it for this episode. Uh, next episode, we are shifting into turbo. Meh. And as always, may the power protect you. Oh, no, no.